0: If you like this content, I think it's important that we continue to cover these issues and to make uh, this content and information available to the public for free, then we really need your support at patreon.com
1: slash Solidarity House. How are you doing today, Derek? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Uh,
0: I'm doing well. Uh, and it's, it's nice to, as I said, it's nice to kind of look out and see uh, the beauty of the landscape here without uh, seeing things blow over and trees breaking and uh, people uh, blowing over and all sorts of of windy things. So it's good to be here. Um, And I also wanted to, to give a shout out to Derek's work on what we're going to be talking about today, which is energy denialism and the various manifestations of energy denialism in Wyoming. And after last week's clownish statement by representative Chuck Gray here in Wyoming Derek undertook a project of not just sort of debunking what representative Gray said which he, he had said that uh, that wind turbines were the cause of Texas uh, power outages during the horrible Texas winter storm there. Um, and Derek, you not only, uh, kind of debunked that or or found the best uh, stories and the best media debunking that, but you also sort of put that into context of what the role that representative Gray was playing politically and ideologically.
1: Right. Mm. Yeah, that was my main intention. Um, I went in, in the essay, I went into, I guess, the role that the fossil fuel industry has in propping up politicians like that and the way they act in their own self-interest that is not in the best interest of the majority of people who live on the planet.
0: The story really starts with, uh, in many ways, with this terrible, uh, or at least this iteration of the story starts with this terrible... Winter storm that ravaged the South. Uh, And by the way, much love and solidarity to all of our friends and comrades in Southern states uh, and in places where you haven't had to deal with this. I really hate the sort of people making fun of you and liberals in particular going, oh, uh, Look what happened to these to these conservative uh, southern states. I think that that's really unfair. I'm really glad you're out of it. I'm so sorry uh, that you all had to deal with it. And in the process of that, you had these terrible power outages, which we're, we'll talk a little bit about why the real reason why they were why they happened, but all of the conservatives including your you know texas leaders and uh, and anti you know and climate denialists and energy denialists really all over the country started using this uh this trope that the texas grid failed because of the reliance on renewable energy and so that happened last week and then Representative Gray made his statement about a week ago. I think it was on um, the uh, on February 16th, as, right. as Derek uh, you know points out in his in his piece, which will become part of a larger blog post, by the way, which we're going to do. And that so that happened, and just as we were working on that story, and Derek was sharing his research on that story, I got a link sent to me by our good friend Lynn Huskisson. Uh, former House candidate uh, in Wyoming who is a former coal miner also who ran on a platform of the Green New Deal and and renewable energy and transitioning and and helping Wyoming's workers. And Lynn sent me uh, an article uh, saying, uh, really an analysis from the Powder River Basin Resource Council talking about a deal between the Department of the Interior and Eagle Mine's Um, which also encompasses black jewel mines, um, all of which are closing and are paying a fraction of the money that they owe to the government uh, for royalties. So this sort of major screw job that occurred with this happened just as Representative Gray was dissing on renewables. If you have it in front of you, you could read maybe the first uh, couple of paragraphs Uh, of what you wrote.
1: So on February 16th, Wyoming State Representative Chuck Gray of District 57 asserted on his Facebook page, just as Wyoming conservatives predicted, the Texas grid is failing because of their reliance on renewables. I'm bringing a bill to the upcoming legislative session to assert that utility decisions be made with consideration to reliability. We must save our coal-fired power plants. Congressman Gray's effort to conform to one of the most lucrative tenets of the GOP party line shows how little he respects the intelligence of his constituents as his statement on Facebook makes one of the most easily refutable yet oft-repeated claims by his particular brand of punditry in the continuing wake of Winter Storm Yuri this claim has seen a renewal in mainstream political discussion These unfounded attacks on the supposed unreliability of renewable energy sources are long past due for retirement.
0: So my favorite thing about uh, this, the statement that Chuck Gray made was, um, I'm bringing a bill to the upcoming legislative session to assert that utility decisions must be made with consideration to reliability and then the next very next sentence is we have to save our coal-fired power plants which mm-hmm. if you had, if they hit if he had just marked the card at reliability uh, then what we would you know it, that would be very difficult to argue with I guess right uh, in the wake of, of something unreliable going on. Uh, and but but it's not but it's not what he asserted it was, is it?
1: Yeah, something about that statement
0: is contradictory there. Well what exactly happened?
1: So what we've seen, the biggest factor in the failure of Texas's power grid was their separation from the rest of the country's power grids. Um, and this is something that I think most of the public is learning kind of altogether is that uh, most of the state of Texas is altogether on the Texas interconnection, a power grid that's separate from the major power grids that cover the rest of the continental United States, most of which are part of the Western and Eastern interconnections. And there's also a couple of other smaller ones in Florida and in the Midwest, I believe. Um, but with what we see with the story in Texas, this dates back to the 70s when they decided to separate from the rest of the, the country. So no part of the Texas interconnection crosses outside of the state of Texas. And this makes them exempt from federal regulation. And their separation from the rest of the power grid is what's made it so they weren't able to take on power from the rest of the country. So they, were, they could only rely on the power generation that they had in state. So from what I saw on the map, there's part of Florida. Most of southern Florida is a separate power grid from, I believe, the eastern interconnection. I don't know if it's the same system as Texas, where they're not able to extract power from the surrounding grids without like um, an AC to DC adapt adaption. And then, of course, the... Alaska and Hawaii have to do their own thing for much more pragmatic reasons rather than Mm -hmm. political reasons.
0: Geographical reasons. One of the other, you know, kind of results of of this, this power grid autonomy, right, is that Texans, of course, suffered greatly. This is all also bound up in the this billing system where a number of Texans were then billed thousands of dollars during the process. how did, did you get to see anything about how that happened?
1: That wasn't a main focus of my research, but I guess like from what you would learn in a basic economics class with the capitalist system that we live under, um, you know, if the price is determined by the intersection of supply and demand, then when the demand is high and the supply is low, then the price is going to be astronomically high. And that is the, the system that... Determines whether or not a person or whether or not people deserve to have electricity. Apparently, we can say, see the same thing with like the prices of hotel rooms skyrocketing and like um, the price of regular household commodities when a hurricane approaches in areas of the south. These
0: are called market failures, uh, in the, the parlance of, of the terminology. And they are that they are definitely market failures, but they're also in a, in a deeper and more authentic sense, miserable failures to meet human needs that are treated uh, as uh, logically as afterthoughts by the architects of this kind of system. You can't tell me that when Texas was making its decision to, separate its power grid from the rest of the fucking United States, uh, that anybody in that room, you know, said, well, this could also lead to this incredible market failure in these and these incredible unnatural price spikes in the event of a weather incident like this. And so it seems like it's a, uh, not just a market failure, but a kind of failure of imagination, I, I guess.
1: Uh huh. Like with what I talked about in the blog with the enormous influence between the fossil fuel industry moguls and the politicians, very common throughout the United States, who are paid by these moguls to support their industry. You can imagine it was not very different in the 70s when they made this decision to have their air caught, um, Texas interconnection separate from the rest of the United States power grids.
0: You, uh, as you were doing this research, came across some interesting memes to illustrate these lies and just the way that, that this stuff is distorted. What are some things that you found?
1: Yeah, it was very interesting. Um, so one of the memes that has been going around to spread this lie about the unreliability of wind it was a photograph of a wind turbine and there's a helix of wind turbine spraying some sort of de-icing fluid on the turbine blades Um, let's see the meme was uh it was created during this major blackout crisis It was an old photograph from 2015 in a wind farm in Sweden. We can uh, talk about the backstory a little bit in a little bit, but the meme that was shared was had the caption, like a helicopter powered by fossil fuels spraying a fluid or a chemical created by fossil fuels during a ice storm to, you know, to, to help put these wind turbines back online is hilarious. And, you know, the, the idea that they're trying to spread is that, you know, this is what's going on in Texas. There's an ice storm. And to, to put the power back on, because of our reliance on all these wind turbines, we have to have these helicopters go out to, like, de-ice all of these wind turbines. Now, this photograph, of course, it wasn't photographed during an ice storm. I think that doesn't seem like a very practical thing to have your helicopter flying around in a storm anyway. <laughs> it was... Photographed as part of like a research and development test is for wind turbine weatherization technology. And so like the technology that's in wind turbines all around the world, like we've talked about, we get wind turbines in Canada or Antarctica. Um, you know, they were using this as like, you know, we've got a... Um, immediately de-ice these blades so that we can, you know, use it as a control factor, that sort of thing.
0: I wanted to read this release that came out last week, and again, thanks Lynn for sending this to me. On Friday, February 19th, the Department of Interior, Specialty Materials, ESM, and the attorneys in Black Jewel's bankruptcy case released a settlement agreement for unpaid royalties On federal coal leases mined by Black Jewel and its predecessor Contura at the Eagle Butte and Bel Air mines in Wyoming's Powder River Basin. According to the legal filing, over 32 million in royalties are unpaid at the Bel Air mine and $27.8 million in royalties are unpaid at the Eagle Butte mine with hundreds of thousands owed in interest. Powder River Basin Resource Council decries Powder River Basin Resource Council decries the sweetheart deal struck between the Department of the Interior and ESM, a company that was paid over $80 million to take over the Bel Air and Eagle Butte coal mines from Contura during the Black Jewel bankruptcy proceeding in October 2019 the settlement of approximately $61.5 million debt of unpaid royalties and interests for a few cents on the dollar and insecure interest-free future payments and royalties has cost Wyoming and American citizens tens of millions of dollars. Wyoming receives approximately half of all federal coal royalties, so loses half of these unpaid royalties. And then I just want to quote from Bob Laresch, who's a board member of the Powder River Basin Resource Council. This terribly one-sided settlement allows Bel Air and Eagle Butte to keep operating for now, but it forgives tens of millions of dollars in royalties that should have been supporting Wyoming schools and other federal projects. So that's on the Department of Interior. It's certainly on the mines themselves. And we should also say all of this is taking place on stolen indigenous land and the entire system of settler state colonialism and capitalism. When you combine all of these, all of this theft, uh, the theft that occurred before the ongoing theft, the theft to stakeholders, you know, even within the paradigm of mining and all of that terrible extraction, when you combine all of that, this is a a tiny few people benefiting at the expense of just countless people, as well as the environment, as well as entire civilizations. And so it it might just sound like, you know, this one bankruptcy settlement and this one um, termination settlement, but it really is the crossroads of just centuries of historical oppression and exploitation. And so it, it, it's kind of enraging, I think. And, and if people are feeling anger about that, that's probably appropriate, don't you think?
1: Yeah, of course. Near the end of my essay, I really tried to go into how the underlying cause, in a way like the increasing intensity of the weather patterns that we're experiencing all over the world, also the underlying cause of you know the power system failure, in this case in Texas, as well as um, a lot of the deaths in Texas and around the country in this past storm were unhoused people who didn't have a shelter. The common factor we see in all of this is the global capitalist system that we have.
0: We also wanted to celebrate the resistance to that wherever and in whatever forms that takes last week we talked to an activist about resistant about pipeline resistance which is tied in the the solid the joint solidarity and the joint efforts of uh indigenous led struggles and also uh you know struggles for uh struggles against the fossil fuel empire Uh, across the board. Um, We talked about that. The person who gave me this article and who has been on our show, Lynn Huskinson, was a coal miner for many decades who lost her job when these coal mines went out of business and screwed over uh, the workers uh, out of their, their benefits in the process. And that inspired Lynn to run for the House of Representatives last year on perhaps one of the most progressive agendas I've ever seen uh, with a state, uh, a state candidate. um, And really with a mind to saying that, you know, if we embrace actual science and embrace actually what's going on, then we can, uh, then maybe we can make life better for everyone, including those who are displaced economically by this. Um, And so it seems like there's a lot of openings for that kind of stuff, as well as Openings of space for radical activism and direct action and organizing around these kinds of issues. And I think it's so important then that they see that, that that we see that conclusion that this is all part of a systemic uh, thing. This is not human nature. This is not inevitable. This is part of a carefully engineered and built system, isn't it?
1: Yeah, um, with what you were saying, I think a good historical example we can look to for inspiration is that of Judy Berry. Um, In the 80s and 90s, she was very instrumental in uh, making an alliance between Earth First, which was a a radical environmentalist group, and the Industrial Workers of the World, a radical labor group. Uh, She helped the people to see that, like, you know, people who are doing direct action on behalf of protecting the environment and uh, the working class, you know, whether they be lumber workers or uh, coal workers, or oil pump workers, they're not enemies with each other. They share the common enemy of the capitalist class who is, the ones who are doing the most to both screw over the working class, exploiting their labor, as well as completely destroying the or you know our chances to be able to use resources in a sustainable way.
0: This isn't about the Biden administration or the Obama administration hating you and wanting to hurt you personally. And it's not about the Trump administration and people Uh, you know, like Wyoming politicians, you know, for example, um, Chuck Gray uh, and others wanting to help you. This isn't like some kind of personal thing. This is really about organizing around this systemic issue. Uh, And activists like Judy Berry, who can bring together labor, militant labor with militant environmentalism serve much the same function as activists like Fred Hampton.
1: I think this discussion has got me thinking about uh, a portion of Yana's book, Together Resilient. Uh, she, in it, she talks about how the dancing rabbit intentional community in Missouri was not only able to make itself you know, carbon neutral in, in as far as its electrical usage, able to generate electricity to put out onto the power grid to the surrounding community. I think that's a great example of you know the potential for an interconnected yet decentralized form of meeting people's needs.
0: Really some amazing research and thank you so much for doing it. I think that it um, points the way towards uh, you know maybe analyzing more wyoming issues and contemporary issues like this in wyoming in a more systemic way which i think ultimately will push the way forward for everyone not in a in a partisan way but in a way that you know can really uh, emancipate uh, everyone so thanks a lot derek Thank you. If you like this content and want us to continue to make it available to the people of Wyoming for free and and other places as well, we really, really need your support on patreon.com slash Solidarity House, where you can help fund our ongoing uh, information pushback as well as the other activities that we do as part of Solidarity Collective.